And then there were four. Every class in South Dakota high school football is down to four teams. And Bruce and I are ready to break down each and every game, plus some bonus coverage of the All Nations Conference and their title game coming up. Welcome to the Midco Sports Network podcast. Here's your host, Jason Andera. Hello and welcome to another Andera. You have it. Jason Andera alongside my brother Bruce. Bruce, how's it going? It's going really well. We got semifinal football upon us. Semifinal football, one of the best weeks because so much action going around the state all at the same time. Yes. And, and it's all with a big, big prize on the line. That big, big prize this year, the trip to Brookings in the state title games. But yeah, semi, whether it's semifinal Saturday or semifinal Friday. This year, Friday. This year, it's Friday. Uh, it's always a night and a day of, of excitement all across, the, all across South Dakota. We are really looking forward to all the action on Friday, and we're going to break down each and every game, but we're going to start this podcast as we start every podcast. Now, it's time for the opening drive. Well, thank you. And this Friday... In addition to all the semifinal action, we have the new All-Nations Football Conference. They'll stage their title game in the Dakota Dome, where Crow Creek will take on Lower Brule for the conference's first-ever championship. All teams in this conference have been invited to attend the game as well, so it's going to have it's going to have definitely a native feel, native aura. There's going to be some celebration that go along with it as well. Uh, this nine-man league was created for this season on a two-year experimental plan by 12 Native American teams that, in some cases, are large enough to be Class 11B or Class 11A, but struggled to gather the same numbers for their teams of their competition. Now, in some cases, an 11-man tribal school might only have 14 players or even less dressed for a game against, uh, against similar class teams that have maybe 30 to 40 players on the, on the sideline. That creates a safety issue for the tribal schools. And so, therefore, they needed to do something, so they got permission from the South Dakota High School Activities Association to create their own conference separate from SDHSAA. And, and, and the High School Activities Association even pitched in some assistance by giving by letting them use some of their officials uh, to officiate these games. The first season has been a great success. Numbers are up on the tribal teams. Now, for example, St. Francis Indian, they were an 11B school last year. They were barely able to field a full 11-man team for some of those games last season. This year, they've got about 20 out for football, and it's an all-nine-man all conference, so they can actually have good and right practices. Most others will have between 20 and 30, which is a significant uptick for these teams. These 60 to 70% by some estimation. Yeah, and, and, and these teams are getting to play against squads of their own skill levels, and a few schools like Takini and Ulrichs have teams of their own for the first time. Two others, Marty and Flandreau Indian, they're playing varsity games once again after having played junior varsity schedules in the past. Now, we'll see if this trend continues in the next season, but we say bravo to this conference of 12, and I, for one, can see the likes of teams like Pine Ridge and Todd County joining this league if that trend continues in the, in the next season. And there you have it. Thank you very much, Bruce. Yeah, I've had the chance to put a story together that's coming out after the All-Nations um, season is over. We're going to do kind of a post-season analysis and story on how things went the first two years so i've had a chance to talk to a lot of big players who got this thing started and it's been nothing but positive news all the way around and you alluded to you know what's the future hold well 
they have some interest. They are going to probably add two teams from Nebraska next year. Okay. And then every two years, they're going to wait until this the next cycle of uh, yeah, I know classification they stay on the, changes. Yeah, I know that they stay on the realignment schedule. But. Yep, they're going to make them do, you know, they commit to two years of playing at that. Mm-hmm. So Pine Ridge and Tide County will consider doing this in two years, not next year. Yeah, I mean, they were invited last year. So. And they were invited, but there were, there were also schools, McLaughlin, Chamberlain was invited. Mm-hmm. Anybody with a, a native population, I think it was at 50%. I can't remember the exact number, but there was, um, you know, they don't want this to be a racial thing, but they do want to give those schools a chance who are, you know, boarding schools or fewer resources or just football programs that have, not succeeded because a lot of these schools don't start, they don't even get to school until after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of teams are already, you know, in full swing playing football games by then. So they're, that's why they had a six week season this year. They started after Labor Day. And um, just, there's just a lot to talk about, but um, we'll, we'll go more into that when we get into our MAG story. So look for that in uh, just a couple weeks here on Midco Sports Network. But I want to talk about the game itself. Yes. Yes, had, you know all these teams making the playoffs, and we've had uh, we had a couple. All twelve of them went to the playoffs. All twelve went to the playoffs. Red Cloud and Crow Creek came into the playoffs undefeated as the one, number one seeds. Uh, Crow Creek went through that playoff season remaining undefeated, and Lower Brule knocks off Red Cloud to get to the championship game, and Lower Brule did it in style too. Yeah, and and then and then uh, Lower Brule. I mean, I think you were at one of their games a few yes, weeks I ago, was. yes, and they absolutely did it with Sound Crow Creek. They're there, they're there as well. They were the number one seed out of the East, so these are the top two teams in the Eastern Division. If you yeah. don't know, All Nations Conference had two divisions of six: West and East and East. East. Yep. So Crow Creek was the first place East, Lower Brule was second place East, and honestly, I mean, Lower Brule did it in style: forty-three point seven five points per game. So this 44 year. points per game this year. And Crow Creek's the other monster team on offense. And this year. 47, so 47 in the quarter there. Crow Creek has allowed, uh, if I if if this is right, three points per game. Is that yes. right? Okay, that's correct. <laughs> They've allowed three points. per That's game. a defense. That is a defense. It's all about defense with them. And then Laura Brewers had a few games. They've lost two this year. Uh, they lost to Crow Creek earlier in the mm-hmm. season. Uh, the closest game that Crow Creek had all year was against Lower Brule, and in that previous meeting. It was twenty-two to eight, so that that was the most mm-hmm. points anybody. And they they contained Michael Loera Prado, who is the single biggest star in this league. He plays for Lower Brule. He's averaging nineteen yards per. Ooh. <laughs> oh yards my! Per Not in the game, in the season. You put that on the fast turf of the dome. <laughs> watch out and watch out. Exactly. He's gained almost two thousand yards. He's got over twenty-four hundred all-purpose yards this year. He's a uh, Scored 38 total touchdowns so far this year, and that's in eight games, guys. Man. Um, so he's the guy all the eyes are going to be on. But last time he played against Crow Creek, they contained him, and that was the only team to have contained Michael Loera Prado. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if they can do that again. On the other side, Crow Creek, they've got their own stars. And uh, Isaiah Soros, he also plays basketball for White River, um, plays Crow Creek this year. And I'll tell you what, he's gained over 1,000 yards with 16 rushing touchdowns. Luke Wells, their quarterback, is hitting 
80% of his passes this Man. year for almost 1,000 yards. And he's thrown for 14 and ran for 16 more touchdowns. So they've just run roughshod over everybody this if year. If that alone is not a positive note for this All-Nations football conference, I don't know what is. These, it's seeing these players actually being able to succeed like this. That is, that's the huge part. These kids all have hope going into the season and so much more excitement when they hit the playoffs. So that, that's been huge. Um, just a few other notes. TJ Head has been uh, one of the leaders on defense for Lower Brule this year. Eight sacks, nine tackles per game. He's been outstanding. A sack a game, man. <laughs> um, and the coaches, and these, these are two class coaches. Scott Clout, his coach now 20 years at, at Crow Creek with a winning record. 80 wins, 69 losses. That's that's great. And then that Zeke Prado yeah. is now in his fourth year. He used to play at Dakota Wesley and now in his fourth year coaching at Lower Brule. has got this team playing really well. So uh, just a couple notes on this game, Bruce. What do you think that some of the keys to the game are? Keys to the game, Crow Creek have been winning every game by a very large margin. Uh, we know they can't give up any scores. Oh, so Laura Brule, This is for Laura Brule, by the yep. way. We can't, get, can't give up any scores or any easy scores. We're going to have to contain their running game. And I, from the from the stats we just spouted off there a little bit ago, this is this is probably going to be a lot of running going on in this game. Yeah, and in Crow Creek, on the other hand, they're they feel like they're a very balanced team, and their keys to the game are are discipline. And you need discipline when Michael Loera Prado gets to the outside. Mm-hmm. You've got to contain because that's where he gets all of his big yards. He is so fast. He's he's close to a four or five speed type of guy. Um, he didn't run that fast at the combine, but he has been clocked on handheld, you know, in that four or five range. He's just nice. electric. Uh, so they think discipline, execution, and then I like this. They include sportsmanship, mm-hmm. and they know that this is a huge, huge stage that a lot of eyeballs will be on for the first time, and they want to make sure sportsmanship is part of that. So that tells you a little bit about this league and, and what yeah. they think is important. Yeah, I definitely will be will at least uh, I'll be watching at least part of that game um, come Friday night. Yeah, Crow Creek's numbers, by the way, have tripled from previous years oh, man. since um, joining the All Nations Conference this year. And uh, Zeke Prado says, from from his perspective, it's just been awesome building up this program and sustaining a good roster. Uh, it really is key to the numbers to do this. Yes. So, Hats off to the All Nations Conference, all those involved in getting it started, and, and to the South Dakota Athletics South High School Athletic Association for uh, even, even though they're not being involved, they are or not organizing it. They are super involved from yeah. helping set up refs. They help set up the schedules, um, support when it was needed for all of the little things that you need to run this type of a league. They recognize the need, the need just like just like the teams did. So. Yeah, absolutely. Hats off. All right. With that, thank you for that opening drive, Bruce. Let's get into the South Dakota High School Athletic Association's semifinals, and let's get started. Where, where are we going to start? Well, we're going to start, as we always do, with the top class in the land, Class 11 AAA, and we're going to have an all-Sioux Falls battle here at Howard Wood Field, O'Gorman at Roosevelt. Now, O'Gorman won this game yes. on, on the 14th of September. That was the President's Bowl. It was a 27-20 game. Uh Roosevelt had a few issues there. I think they've sewn them up since then. Um, they did have, and let's just, I'm going to name a couple of those issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyree Nave was a coach's decision out for a few weeks. That was the first game he didn't play in. Um, they really tried to force the run early on without him, and they didn't really have a groove going on. Second half, they came back and, and played really well, and O'Gorman held them off, though. Give O'Gorman credit. They made some big plays in this game 
And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long time since then, but Roosevelt has a nice little winning, winning streak since then. They haven't lost. Yeah, they haven't lost, then. yeah. Yeah, 8-1 eight, eight regular season. They've lost, they won their quarterfinal game fairly handily. Um, Brady Dannenbring, I mean, what do you say about him? 2,771 yards, 16 touchdowns against eight interceptions. Uh, that's that's really, really, really good. Uh, and, and again, the, the, the passes aren't all going to the same players. I mean, they're spreading that around to two, two, three, four different targets uh, every game. O'Gorman, on the other hand, this is a team that's been on a tear as well. Yes. Since losing to Lincoln, they haven't lost. And, of course, neither of these teams have beaten a, a team with a really dominant winning record. Mm-hmm. Um, they both beat Harrisburg, who's, you know, 5-5. Five and five. They had a very good They had a very good first 11 AAA season. No, no, I'm not saying that. That's for sure. But I'll tell you what, they, um, neither of these teams have played, you know, a Brandon or a Lincoln or mm-hmm. a top, top team or each other since the first three weeks of the season. Correct. So this will be this will be like an eye-opener <laughs> a little bit for both of these squads to really up their game. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the, these teams aren't any aren't really going to be anything like they were back in September when they played each other. Uh, O'Gorman, Tate Wishard, I mean, oh, my. Yeah. I mean, what has he done? I mean, what, what, what has he done? I mean, Tegan Schlimgen, same thing. Um, in that run, granted granted they weren't, they weren't really top-tier teams, if you will, but... O'Gorman just came on, came across on, on on back-to-back victories against Harrisburg at home. The second one a little bit tougher than the first one. Right. And I think this one's going to be even tougher than that. All right, I'm so. going to give you my keys to the game because I didn't want any more coach talk at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna, some of these will give you the keys to the game from the coaches. Some of them are going to be from me. And I think the key to the game for O'Gorman, they've got the kicking advantage. Connor Pavelko, we saw him hit a big 41-yarder yep. last week. He... Is in tight games, he gives you an advantage out there at Howard Woodfield. I think they need to find ways for Norton to make plays, and we saw it last week. He threw for 96-yard pass. He uh, ran the ball. He also received the ball. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He came up a little lame with an injury, went over, stretched it out, came back in, and threw a huge touchdown. So I think Norton needs to be big, and then they've got to get pressure. Got to get pressure on Dannenbring because – They've got athletes on this defense for O'Gorman, but if they pressure Dannenbring and make him do what he's uncomfortable doing, it just changes this Roosevelt team when they put pressure on him. Yeah, and that's something that O'Gorman's not really known for doing. They're not known for bringing. They're not really known for bringing blitzes. You know, they, they have to get that pressure with their front four in order, to, in three, order to do that, or front three, they, depending on how they're lining yeah. up. So. Um, Possibly outside linebackers, you can bring five. But you know, it's keys for Roosevelt, in my opinion. They got to be smart on their passing plays, and what I mean by that is, don't let Dannenbring sit back and try to read the defense. They got to be quick, quick hitters. Get Mike Paulson open in crossing patterns so he can do his running after the catch. Same thing with Feldkamp, and they also have to pound Tyree Nave in there because that is a guy they didn't have last time that they played. And I think Tyree Nave has shown that he's a huge factor in the running game. Yeah, and the, and I think I think Roosevelt uh, they can do that. Maybe not maybe not concentrate on Tyree Nave like you know like the running game like they did the first time around. Pound him, pound him when it's appropriate to do so. Of course, into the into the line and use and use that use that judiciously. And I think I think Roosevelt's got a winning formula there. Yeah, and Roosevelt also has a very good defense. And we talk a lot about those linebackers, but Caleb Dwyer and that secondary have been absolutely stellar this year they need to come up 
big and not gave up any of those big plays to Zach Norton and company. So. Yeah, moving forward, we have the other 11 AAA game. Sioux Falls, Washington pulled off a huge upset over Sioux Falls, Lincoln last week. Uh, they are going to head to Brandon, probably one of the most difficult places to play in all of 11 AAA in this other semifinal game. Yeah, the Battle of the Chads. Yeah, exactly. Stadium uh, versus Garrow. Chad Stadium, Chad Garrow last year played for the title. This year, mm-hmm. they're going to be playing for a trip to the title game. And uh, you look at just the numbers, the raw numbers, and it it's hard to make a case for Washington, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, although it was hard to make a case for them last week against Lincoln yeah, as it, well. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Yeah. And what Washington did is the, it jumped out at me on the stat sheet. They had two ball carriers, their quarterback, mm-hmm. Max Thompson and Michael Johnson, and they had two pass receivers in Josh Piper, their star sophomore, and their junior, Tyus Hansen. That's it. You go to your athletes. <laughs> they stuck with what got them there, and I think they have to do that again this week. Um, their yards per rush have not been great this year, um, but they do have to run the ball enough to keep Brandon Valley honest now can they keep their defense airtight like they did last week that's the going to be the big question here against thomas scolton oh, that, and that, his crew that if they can do that if they can keep an airtight d and somehow contain tate johnson without giving up a big play mm-hmm. i mean that's that's huge and that's the key for brandon if you look at their advantage in this game they need big plays when washington does bring up eight in the box and thomas scolton's gonna have to hit a big one to Austin Vigance or um, Cole Siliason or Jackson Hilton, one of those guys. Yeah, you bring everybody up in the box like that, you need to make them pay for that. Just you know, try try to do a little quick hitter over the top. I don't think many people expect Washington in this, but if they were to win, how would they do it, Bruce? I think, just like you said, you have to keep that airtight defense. You have to go into Brandon Valley, uh, control their line. And then when you do bring a, a, a up eight in the box, make sure that Skolton feels some pressure. And and throws the ball maybe before he wants to, at that point. Offensively, I think you got to you got to keep with the athletes that you know, like you said, just stick with the athletes stick that with, got you. <laughs> stick with your big time athletes, exactly. Yep, just like, yeah, I remember Lincoln doing that about ten years ago. Right, let's move on to double A football. Double A football. We have Mitchell at Pier, and Ooh. this has been a point of contention since since it happened last Thursday. You know, everybody's kind of given their opinion. I've given mine. Bruce, what do you what did you think about one hundred three to nothing? One hundred three to nothing. I was it was incredulous and absolutely surreal when I saw it happening. Uh, just as I saw the updates come across, I'm like, are they seriously going to have a century here? And when they 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 got there, and it's like, okay, how did this happen? <laughs> just exactly how did this happen? Well. Couple things you can't put it on the kids, of course. You know they're, they they go they go into a game. The coach tell, the coach coaches them a certain way. You go all out when you have the opportunity to do so. Can't fault them for doing that. Uh, can't really fault the can't really fault the coaches. The starters were out before the, you know at the end of the first quarter. The freshmen the freshmen and JV players were in most of the second half. Um, can't really account for spearfish for for the mental mistakes and the in from what I hear the mental mistakes and just the missed assignments that spearfish had all all, all game. What this pretty much stems for is a couple things that I already went over in previous issues of the of the opening drive, and that is the classification system. There's only eight teams in this class. Everybody's in there. Uh, so you have this 0-9 team that really has no business being in the playoffs in the playoffs, uh, playing just being completely overmatched. Um, the one we proposed back then, the 11-AA, would have like 14 or 15 teams in it, and you'd have probably an eight-team playoff. That was your proposal. Yep. And uh, the other thing 
just being just being overall playoff reform and maybe and maybe just shortening up the playoff schedule a little bit. Uh, the third thing that I kind of that, that, that and I never really got quite why this was is to have some sort of a some sort of mercy rule well, when something like this happens. The, this is the administrators. I got to make this clear. Mm-hmm. The administrators are the ones who make these rules, mm-hmm. and the South Dakota High School Athletic Association enforces them. Correct. So they came up, and there's several times they tried to put in a yep. mercy rule. And several times it's gotten shot down. And I, from what I hear, I mean, there's there, everybody's got their own reason. But, you know, you travel, you know, even Spearfish to Pier, pier you travel and you you don't want to play two quarters. I don't think you, you don't necessarily have to do the 50-point end the game part of it. Yeah, the running clock, though. You can do the running clock. And I think that and you can still up. get And you can still get your backups in the game. I think that'll come up, and I think I think that might have some bearing this year. But anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Let's get to the game. Mitchell Pier. Last time they played, I called it. It was on Midco Sports Network and uh it got out of hand quickly. It was seventy five to seven. That was without Parker Phillips. That's mm-hmm. the only difference I really see this time around. Yeah, and Parker Phillips, I mean that 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 is that is a large a large piece to lose, uh if you're Mitchell. Um thousand ninety eight yards, twelve touchdowns rushing. Uh he's had some pretty key plays. Unfortunately, to be in order to go into Pier and win this game, I think you have to basically make this keep that Pier offense off the field as much as you possibly can. Yep. Um, I mean, what more can be said? I mean, Pier averages sixty-two points a game is giving yeah. less than seven. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time breaking this. No, it's. I mean, I, I think I, I think I think we pretty much know what Pier is by this by this point in in time. And we'll give Pier their due for sure. Uh, absolutely. But, I mean, Pier Pier's, uh, Pier's done wonderfully all you don't season. Need to hear us talking about it. Let's go to the next one. Next one, Pier on at Brookings. This one a little bit, uh, probably a little bit more, a little bit more closer here. Um, they played. I think it was the first game of the season. The game was forty to zero. Brookings won that game. This time around, Huron has been getting and improving all season. They had a very nice game against against Yankton, but they've been in the up quarterfinals. And down. They also, have been up and down a little they've bit. Also lost to Tri Valley. They've also yep. been shut out by Canton. Um, you would like to see this Huron team at a point where they're not letting that kind of stuff happen. But and you, and you put together a four quarter really good game. But they've done this with a brand new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Spanton has come in, and he said the biggest thing we can take away from that first game we played Brookings is that now we're a totally different ball club. So yes. it's almost like, you know, delete, start over, and and they they feel like they can be a team that possibly can contend with this Brookings team. Cade McNeil at quarterback too. He was a sophomore, and you know he was sophomores are way different back in August than they are yes. at this time of the year. Yes, once you've had, you know, 10 games under your belt, uh, you know, he's had 1,419 passing yards, 16 touchdowns against four interceptions, so yeah. he takes care of the ball. The, um, the running has been suspect. The running has been suspect, only two and a half yards of carry. That has to improve. Uh, and and in, to do that against Brookings' run defense, that is a tall order. Yeah, Brookings is absolute terror on defense. Um, they've been allowing 11 points per game this year, which is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, their offensive line's only allowed three sacks all year. So the line play, it just goes to show you, the line play for Brookings is about as good as it gets in this class. Yeah. Peer. Absolutely. And then and then you have, uh, obviously, obviously you know, Brookings wants to contain McNeil as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, and that and just keep just keep plumbing forward with that, with that offensive line. Um, you don't have to win pretty, but you do. But you do want to win. Yeah, Huron's keys, though, 
they need to make the plays when they're there. And that's been that's been what's got Scott Spanton scratching his head this year is they've had opportunities that they have not seized. And they've got the athletes, Cooper Freiberger and Kobe Bush, two of the best receivers mm-hmm. athletically, but they need to show it on the field and make those plays when they're available after the catch. Uh, the past two weeks, they've been able to contain the run game and really – you know, try to put them behind the chains in long yarded situations. They feel like they have to do that in first and second down to have success in this game. We'll we'll see if that works. Yeah, I don't think Huron's going to do this on the ground. They have to do it defensively, and they have to do it through the air on offense. Yep. And, I, and I think more specifically, yards after catch. Yes, yes, yeah. Because it's not a long bombing team by any stretch. But yep. moving on to eleven A, and we have another team that pulled off a huge upset. How West Central West last Central. second field goal knocks off undefeated Del Rapids. They now head to Lenox, where they face an Orioles team that really has flown under the radar for much of the season. Well, it's because they started out, you know, <laughs> you know, losing a couple games early on in the year. They lost to Canton as the last time they've lost, and now. Now look at him. Josh Arlt has this team throwing the football all over the place. Caleb Metcalf, Will Doherty, two of the best receivers in this class. And uh, Brandon Fodness had a huge game last week. Mm-hmm. And then defensively, he's their leader as well. A lot of stars on this Lennox team. And I love what Matthew Luz has done as far as coaching this team. He really has them believing. On the other side, West Central, Cooper Maris had his best game of the entire season. This is a... I mean, you just look at kids getting off the bus, and you look at Cooper Maris, and you're like, I want that kid on my team. Yep. He, just ha- he just looks the part <laughs> of a s- solid football player. Last year, last week, ran for over 200 yards, and then they also threw in their freshman, Justin Zerpel, to come in and run the Wildcat. He got two touchdowns on the day. So I-, I think this is a team that continues to surprise you as you're coming down the stretch. Never count out West Central in the playoffs. I don't care what their record was. I mean, it was 3-6, and six, by the way. But that schedule was very, very difficult to play through. Right. And they have done nothing but improve under this new under this new leadership. Um, this game is going to be just as difficult. Um, as far as West Central's keys, they need to win time and possession, so keep their offense off the field, of course. That's what they did against Del Rapids. No self-inflicted mistakes, so mental errors. And of course, no big plays from their offense. So you got you got to keep that defense pretty much airtight. So the, I think the message the message to West Central is keep the defense, get off the field, and then keep their offense off the field and just long you know sustain drives down the field. Yeah, and keys to the game for Lennox is they know Cooper Myers is a guy that runs hard, and they've got to stop him. Um, he thinks their offensive line is underrated, and that's a team that they need to stop, and they got to they got to play well up front because we know Lennox. As the athletes, they're going to have to get the job done on the front line. Um, and then you think special teams is is a big part of it, and I agree. I think special teams is a great place to get that advantage in, in these mm-hmm. close games. And uh, I'll tell you what, Lennox has a really good special teams. So Yeah, and people often underestimate the value of special teams, especially in playoff football games. And speaking of special teams, our next game features Canton, one oh of the best special teams uh, special teams, teams yes. around. They're, they're going to head to T. Rematch from the first game of the season again. All areas of special teams, field goals, PATs. Kick returns, punt returns. Onside kicks. Yep. I mean, literally, uh, this Canton team. Punt defense. I mean, wins <laughs> that. And, and why? Caden Verley. Exactly. Caden <laughs> Verley. He's unbelievable. I think he's going to be, I mean, he could be an athlete 
at the next level playing college, but he could be a college, a really good college kicker, a really mm-hmm. good college kicker. Anyway, um, by the way, 554 career points, and I, the record keeping in South Dakota is not official ever, but the last record I saw for most points was uh, Tupac Capella was Tupac like Capella. 440 some points. Yeah, four. I think it was like four, somewhere like 444, 60 something like yes. that. Yeah, and he's at you know. 554. He's, I mean, with the touchdowns and, of course, the field goals yeah. that he's kicked. I mean, PATs. PATs, all that. Yep. Two point conversions. Kick, kick, kickers kickers, t- kickers tend to rack up a lot of points. So, so these, these two teams played first game of the year, and it came down, you know, last minute of the game. There was a muff punt that Canton thought they had control of for a touchdown. It turns out that the, the ball was marked outside of the end zone. He came back, made a huge play, and won the game. Um, t- not much you can take off that previous meeting. But no. Let's, what does Rich Lundstrom of Canton think about that previous meeting? Just how close we were to winning that game, how evenly matched we are. That's what he took away from that game. That was his takeaway. Changes. Both teams' personnel has changed quite a bit. We have figured out our team, moved some guys around, moved more of a ground, moved to more of a ground game. Yes, they're they're really tried to pass the ball that first week. Yeah, you know, good weather, and Verley was more of a quarterback at that time, mm-hmm. and they've had Seth Peterson take over. Right now, they just they've got four guys who can just run you over. So every time I've seen Canton do really well, they've been running out of that four back offense. And they, <laughs> I mean, they're they got a lot of athletes. T on the other hand, they've changed almost as much. I I argue maybe not quite as much as Canton, but they've changed almost as much. They've gotten some personnel changes. They've got some guys healthy who weren't there at the beginning of the year. Um, some of their formations and schemes have changed. Uh, it's just so long ago, it's tough to take anything at all out of that game, Craig Clayberg says. And uh, you know what? They're going to come in with a fresh fresh look at this game, and uh, and I agree. That, yeah, that, that, you, you that almost have to. Totally <laughs> but Joey Hendrick has been running the ball as well as anybody the last couple of weeks. Austin Lakeback, a quarterback, is huge. And, of course, we know about those defensive players, P.J. Parmley, Hayden Desheen, and, uh, you know, Joe Walnoffer has got like six picks this year as well. So, wow. Um, what do you think some of the keys in this game are, Bruce? Keys of the game. Well, for Canton, taking care of the ball, cutting out mistakes. Yeah. I mean, that's that pretty coach speak. Okay. Uh, T, we have need to execute on offense and not turn the ball over defensively. Need to do our assignments and trust the other guys to do theirs. So that's general teamwork right there. Yeah, it's teamwork. And it's, take care of your job and, and trust that the other guy's going to take care of his. Everybody's going to have that for their keys to the game. And I, I, I think it's one of those games where – you you cannot get down by a couple scores. No, I think you you have to strike first, um, and then you're going to have to grind this one out. Yeah, this teams will be a grind out. Game. Teams of this caliber, you cannot 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 get down by more than a few scores. All right, let's move on to 11B. 11B, we have a pair of undefeated teams here. Winner, they are hosting Webster. Winner after they got by St. Thomas More and Mount Vernon Plankinson, it kind of looked like okay, yeah, this, this looks like an undefeated team. Webster. Mm-hmm. We weren't so sure, but after watching them last week against Mount Vernon Plankinton, they look like an undefeated team. They look like an undefeated team. They did. And um, for those of you who don't know, Jesse Hastings was hurt in that game, but he wasn't hurt until very, very late in that game. And I, yeah, of course, it would have made a difference, but it wasn't the deciding factor why Webster won that game because um, they made big plays. Kobe Reitz made yes. big plays. Carter Fawcett made big plays. Braden Holland made big plays. I mean. This Webster team is full of big playmakers, and you can't key on one guy. No, I, I, no, definitely not. And then with Winter, I mean, 
yeah, what, three, four different guys that can carry the ball? Well, four if you count their quarterback. Four if you count their quarterback. Three guys last week that ran for over 120 yards. Yeah, and Trevor Peters alone, 9.1 yards per carry, which is just phenomenal. Um, Yeah, four guys with over 120 yards rushing. And, you know, they have Sam Kruger back healthy now. Yes. Fourth guy. Um, They're not afraid to go to any one of those three guys. And then what Dan Aker says, though, if if times are tough, they go to their – their big guy, yep. Trevor Peters. I mean, yep. you can't key on him though, because no, because then they're going to give it to one of the other three guys, and they'll run, and they'll run rush shot over you. Exactly, exactly. And Webster likes to think that they can do the same thing. They've got, uh, you know, like I said, Reitz and Sterling Roush, two really good running backs. Um, Braden Holland, their quarterback, runs the ball extremely well. Also, um, very similar setup for them, and they're a very, very, very senior heavy team. Um, they need to limit big plays and limit turnovers. Got to be selfless and trust in each other. That's what uh, Tanner Christensen says about Webster. What about Wayne? I think it's interesting that both teams put defense right yeah. at the top of their keys right of the game. The so defensively and special team-wise, preventing big plays. Have both a, said limit big plays is their, their exactly. thing and, and turnovers. So they both know that the other team can, can create very big plays and, and, and go up very quickly. Uh, they have a lot of speed in numerous positions. They have really relied on explosive plays to score points. So that will be huge. And then, of course, win the line of scrimmage battle on both sides of the ball. So basically, same game plan that they have for every game. It'll be a a quick game. Let's go to the uh, other rematch. This one is a rematch. This one is a rematch, yeah. A pair of Corn Belt teams. McCook Central, Montrose, Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan. Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan is on a roll. And um, both teams have improved since their last meeting. But Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan, after being tested early, uh, they, they passed with fairly... Fine colors in this game. Yeah, uh, McCook Central Montrose only. That's their only blemish. That's on their, their only blemish on their entire schedule right now. Exactly, and they got a lot. Let's just talk about their players. McCook Central Montrose has a lot of really good players. They do, and Reagan led by led by Reagan Randall, 124 yards passing. That was just I think that was week. last week. Yeah, but he's he's often over or near 300 yards passing. Yep, and then you have uh, Jacoby Krause, 51 rushes, 298 yards, four touchdowns. And Lindstrom for 160 yards receiving. And then the week before that, uh, Chessman re- re- had 200-plus yards receiving. Yeah, so he's a huge, huge asset. They got all those guys. That was just what they did last week. But they've been doing that all season long. Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan, Brady, Hawkins, that's where it all starts. But Jonah Hofer has been outstanding running the football. And it's always about how well they block and tackle. And Jeff Vandler always has this team blocking and tackling. And if you're the Cougars, how do you actually, how do you actually stand up and, and win this game? Well, they they have the advantage throwing the ball. They're going to have to make huge plays. Um, the problem is, is Bridgewater Emory Ethan is so darn good in the secondary. Mm-hmm. They can physically match up with Cheeseman and Jacoby Krause. He carries the ball like fifty times a game for McCook Central Montrose. But Bridgewater Emory Ethan has guys that can make fifty tackles a game on these guys. So yep. it, they're just going to have to bust one or two big plays in this tough road to home get a get a, get a little bit of luck okay nine man jam here we go uh dual bon home nine double a games in Tyndall. Oh, this is gonna be so good <laughs> so good a couple key points you need to know about this game uh dual feels like they've got the the advantage up front i think mm-hmm. and bonham might agree with it and, and that's hard because bonham's always good up front yes they are but, um bonham feels like they have got a healthy team which they haven't had in a while, uh, especially the game where they lost to Canastota Freeman. They had some guys banged up. They had some starters out. Mm-hmm. The last couple of weeks they've been playing more and more, and they feel like this week everybody's back and ready to go. And Noah Hayes is one of those guys. Um, 
is a huge playmaker. He doesn't have the stats that the other guys have because he hasn't played all season. But when he's in there running the football, he's a huge, huge difference maker. Yeah. And Josh Crownover has been a, maybe the best dual threat quarterback in nine man football. Yeah, and, and then you had, you had that Nate Shizinski, uh three hundred four yards rushing, five touchdowns, five 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 hundred sixty five yards receiving, yeah, six he's touchdowns. A, he's a huge threat both so, sides. Yeah, absolutely. And then you and you get their four injured guys back this season yeah, for this and game. A couple of those guys were the injured guys, Hayes and. Uh, well, but they, and you saw that last week. Yeah, I mean they dominated the last their first round game and then their quarterfinal game. Um, this bottom team, people look at some of those closer scores they had early in the year, and I, I think you're gonna have to throw them out a little bit. Duel, on the other hand, great line up front, mm-hmm. two thousand, two different thousand yard rushers. Yes. Carter Hoffman, who's the lightning, and Nick Caston, who is the thunder, and a great quarterback who controls it on Logan Stoltenberg. Yeah, and between them. If I'm if I'm reading, I think I'm reading this right. Forty-four touchdowns between the three of them. Yeah, fourteen of those were passing touchdowns, but still, yes, they've been accounted for that. That's their whole team right there. And then defense is obviously a key for both of these teams. Um, uh, we talked to Dusty Horrigan of Duel, their head coach, and he said we need to limit Crown over success running the ball, limit their productivity in the screen passing game. That's where Nate Shazinski comes up with yes. a lot of those plays. And force them into some early punting situations, and Duel did that against Brett and Heckler. Yeah, and I, you know, I kind of saw that in a few of Bonham's games um, that I've seen, is that they tend, you know, they they tend to kind of keep keep it toward the uh, screen passes, and then they'll go deep, they'll go deep every so often, but you you hurry up that offense, and they start breaking down. So Duel can do that; they're on a good road. As far as Bonham, as far as Bonham, uh, we got the key to the game: creating turnovers and minimizing the big yeah, plays from Duel. Turnovers, I agree. yep, yep, exactly. They definitely uh, need to win the first down battle. So basically, he's talking about the defensively. You know, put them in about, second and third and long. You know, they're both talking about getting the other team to punt. Um, so get ready to watch them punting in that game. <laughs> yeah, they say if they get if that game's being played between the thirties, it's it's good by them, but. <laughs> I could see this game. I could make a case for either of these teams. Yeah, um, we'll get to the picks later and who we think is going to win. But um, uh, this could be one of the better ones of the nine double A. Okay, next up nine double A again. Lemon McIntosh. They have got a huge, very long road trip coming from from the North Dakota border up there in western South Dakota, coming down to Viberg. Let's just here's a few notes on this game that you just should know. First of all, Lemon or Lemon McIntosh as they've co opted have never made the semifinals. They did it this year. Mm-hmm. With a junior quarterback, by the way. Um, Viberg Hurley have outscored opponents 504-76 to 76 this year, and they've done it with a balanced attack. 2,278 2, yards of rushing, 1,831 yards of passing. Very rare to see that kind of balance on a nine-man team. Yeah, uh, yes, it, it it definitely is. But defensively, um, they've put up some huge numbers too. Yeah, 31 sacks on the season, 13 interceptions, 11 forced fumbles, and have only allowed 128 yards per game total average this yeah. season. So average points per game against their defense, 7.6. It's interesting, after talking to both of these coaches, Rob Kessler and Josh Anderson, they both emphasized that they need to start strong. Last week, Viberg Hurley feels like they didn't start as strong as they wanted to. Um, they got it together in the second half. Lemon McIntosh makes it a point. If they win the the toss, they don't defer. They want the ball. They want to get on the board, put the pressure on right away. Um, 
this one will be fun to see who gets yeah. on the board first. Two very contrasting styles because, I mean, that Lamb and McIntosh team likes the pass. Oh, yeah. Likes the pass. Cody Thompson, the quarterback you alluded to, 2,382 yards passing, 38 touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when they get rushing, any kind of rushing, it's usually from their quarterback, Cody, as well, who's ran in nine extra touchdowns. But one guy I want to talk about is Peyton Anderson. He's only played five games this year, but in the games he's played, you can it, he literally changes the score in the game. So when Peyton Anderson has been playing, and he is now, he's an all-state type of player defensively and offensively. And I think for people who are just doing, you know, score comparisons or looking what Lemon McIntosh did earlier, the year, they're missing out on this, this fact right here that, that Peyton Anderson is another one of those studs that you need. You need, you need to match up stud for stud. And we all know Viber Hurley has five outstanding athletes mm-hmm. and Lemon McIntosh. We just see Cody Thompson. Well, it's Cody Thompson and Peyton Anderson and a couple other guys who can yeah. get it done. And both teams run spread offenses, but you do have, despite the formation similarity, that's about where it ends. Lemon McIntosh, as we stated before, they're going to pass the ball. They're going to pass it often. Viberg Hurley, a little bit more balanced. Uh, yeah. You're going to see a lot more running out of them. And and they want to make a point to get Carter Gus the ball. He's their big running back. Who's, um, you know, he's been banged up throughout the year too. They think that's a key. Carter Gust has to take this game over. Uh, Connor Kessler, Tate Kessler have to help the running game out. Um, Shane Anderson is always good for a big play down the field. And we know Angel Johnson. I mean, if, if you've been watching any of these games, Angel Johnson mm-hmm. and, and uh, Mason are, are absolute terrors, Chase Mason, uh, in this game. And obviously those are headliners, but they need these other supporting guys to be as good as they can be. Yeah, Lemon McIntosh has to come into this one. The underdog will get to the picks a little bit later. Uh, moving forward, let's see here. I think we still got 9A here. Yep, we do. Gregory at Britton Hackla. Gregory, another team that uh, maybe maybe overperformed a little bit this year, what we thought they might do. We knew they were a contender in 9A, yeah. but, but they're a they're a legit contender with John King, a longtime assistant coach, took over as head coach this year, and I uh, had a nice time t- talking with him this week. And he just raves about his senior class and how much they've stepped up and taught the the underclassmen, including their quarterback Coy Detterman, who's just a junior. But he said the seniors have just been so so tight this year and so good. And I agree with him. Yeah, and you know. It's another very balanced team mm, uh, very run to balanced. pass. So you got Jackson Eklund, you know, 969 yards rushing, 30, 13 touchdowns. Coy Detterman, uh, a little over 50% passing, 1,089 yards there, 12 touchdowns, and then 528 yards rushing of his own, 10 more touchdowns. He's he's literally a, a dual threat because he runs that option. Yes. And you don't know if he's going to pass or, or run. So containing Coy Detterman is huge for Britton Heckle's success here. Yeah, and then that's and then in, in fact, Pat Renner actually said that there. Um, oh yeah, stop the option if they want to be successful. They have good team quickness, and they, uh, so he believes that the Britain Britain Heckler will match up very well with them. I have to agree. Britain Heckler, they've been playing with an awful lot of emotion since the injury. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we we're still thinking about Trevor Zolke and yes. his family and what this means in the grand scheme of things. And players are doing everything they can to honor that. The parents spend their time in Sioux Falls at the hospital with Trevor, looking for any signs of improvement. And there have been some, but he's still in that medically induced coma. But they go out to the Braves games, and that 
I think that gives them a little bit of a yep. a bright spot to to see that the Braves are doing so much and that the opposing teams are doing so much for them. So just throwing that out that nobody's forgetting about Trevor and uh, the amazing no, absolutely not you know, yeah. stuff that goes with that. Yeah, so it should be a good one up in Britain there. Moving to a nine B. Canastota. No, we're still nine A. Oh, we're still in nine A. Canastota Sully Buttes. Oh, okay. That's the other 9A game. Okay, I know. Yeah, I missed the other 9B game there. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, we are still in 9A. Canasota Freeman at Sully Buttes. Last time these two played, it was a championship game in 2015, Bruce. Do you yes, remember that? I do, and it was Canastota all day, every day, 56-8. Yeah. yeah, Sully Buttes has been runner-up a few times, and they don't want to be runner-ups here. They feel like they've got a senior squad that can get it done. They've been averaging 50 points a game. Their defense has been outstanding. Last week, though... People look at that score against Warner and say, mm-hmm. what happened? What happened, everybody? Well, here's what happened. is They went back and forth, gave up a couple of big running plays to McNeil, um, and they didn't just march down the field like they usually do. Warner no. played really good defense. Warner gave them an absolute fight. Yep, but uh, Nick Whitler was, in the end, 197 yards rushing, and he got a late score to seal the victory, 22-14 over Warner. So... Uh, I think that's a little bit of a wake-up call for Sully Buttes. Yeah, and I don't think there's any reason to say that Canisota Freeman's not going to give him that same fight, if not even more so. Agreed. So um, we all know, you know, we talk about him all the time, Grant Johnson, uh, Jet Lamb, Nick Whitler, uh, Shaw, Jordan Shaw, all these guys, just a, a lot of talent for the Sully Buttes team. But Canisota, they feel like they're getting healthy at the right time too. They're getting a full... Bailey Sage, who's played, but he hasn't played totally healthy. Cole Papendick is back up front um, due to injuries. Logan Katzer, some of these big guys who we don't talk about a lot, are going to make an impact on this game. Yeah, and, and as far as Canastota, uh, the keys to going up to a place like Oneida and, and coming out with a victory and your ticket to Brookings, uh, staying positive on first down so we can put ourselves in good situations on second and third down, taking care of the ball, of course, and getting off to a good start on the road. So that 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 is, you know, I don't think you realize how huge that is, especially in a playoff game. Yeah, and James, James getting off to that start on the road. Oh yeah, you got to get off to a huge start on the road. And, and the thing I like he emphasized at the end there is special teams again. Mm-hmm. He knows that uh, special teams play have been huge. Grant Johnson's been huge on special teams for Sully Butes this year. And they're going to do everything they can to limit that. Yeah, and I think Canastota may have gotten a little bit of a lesson from Warner if they if they if they manage to watch that tape. Well, look at the rushing yards they give up per game, Canastota. Yeah, Canastota um, rushing yards against sixty nine point five rushing yards against per game. I mean, phenomenal. That's that's getting to the ball and, and playing your part of the field. You can't have any weak links and give up sixty nine yards per game. And that's against some very Tough competition too, so yeah, that's so, that's that's a, that's a heck of a defense. It's gonna be that one's gonna be really good. Yes, it will. Now we go to nine B. Now we go to nine B. Now we go to nine B. Okay, so we got Wolsey Wessington. They're gonna head to Coleman-Egan. and uh, will will Wolsey Wessington force Coleman-Egan to play more than half a game? A lot, a lot of these, you know, Wolsey Wessington's been so strong in nine man football in the last few years. They're so young this year, though. In the last couple weeks, I mean, they haven't. They haven't looked like they took it up a gear. They're still good, but they haven't t- taken it up another gear. Um, and I, I don't know if they can match Coleman Egan and what they've done. They have been 
you know, a balanced offensive team with lots of confidence right now. So many weapons, Nate Tolley mm-hmm. and, and all these guys who are just doing a great job. Eli Bowen. Um, they uh, bought so into that system. It makes, it makes them a tough team to prepare for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you have that many weapons, they're going to be incredibly tough to, t- to prepare for, especially when, you you know, you're trying to practice against against them as a nine-man squad. You know, so you're trying to run the same plays that Coleman Hegan does at the same speed they do. Yeah. Not exactly the easiest thing in the world. Um, so when they get into Coleman, that's going to be possibly a wake-up call for them for, for the uh, for, for Wolsey Wessington. Wolsey Wessington has one of the best defenders in the state, and Brevin Hooks, always causing chaos in the backfield. Eric Kleinschnick has been running the ball really well for him, and Skyler Zomer, um, still one of the best nine-man quarterbacks around, and he can do a dual threat as well. So they've got some pieces. It's going to be really tough against this defense, though, in Coleman again. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to anybody's going to be tough playing against them. So moving on to the other nine B game, Harriet Selby heading to Harding County. My Wolverines. <laughs> Love those guys. No, I, I picked against them the first week. I think that motivated them. And then I picked picked them last week, and they came through for me. And I think that motivated them. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm just kidding. I play a very small role in Harriet Selby's success. These players have played a huge role, though. And Clayton Randall, um, the junior, is taking it up another level, these playoffs. He's been unbelievable. 34 carries last week, 239 yards. Four and touchdowns. four touchdowns against Del Rapids St. Mary. He was huge. Yeah. Do you ever think that maybe people listening to this might use this as bulletin board material? Ah, I mean, it's just me and you, Bruce. Oh, I know. But, <laughs> but yes, of course they do. Um, not a lot of people are talking about nine-man football games across the state, so uh, hopefully they come to us and at least get the information because we're getting it straight from the coaches. Exactly, and, yeah. And we just want to spread that information around. So no. I don't know if, it's probably not bulletin board material, but it is, you know, it probably puts a little spring in their step. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harding County, now they may have two starters out for this one. Um, in the semifinals, they're going to be playing a team very similar to themselves. Yeah, Harry Selby is very Harry similar, similar to Yes. Yeah, there's a solid quarterback who can throw it on the move and runs the option. Yep, Wade uh, Begman for one team, Camden Hett for the other team. Yep. And then the best football players in, yeah, running back is one of the best football players in the state that's coming Junior. from is coming from Harding County's uh team and has been playing at a very high level, especially in the playoffs. So uh That's what Jay Wyman says about Harriet Selby. Yes. And uh during the high school playoff run, their offensive and defensive lines have controlled the line of scrimmage. And that is going to be a challenge. And that uh, that kind of goes on both sides. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Harriet Selby has done so much better uh, blocking. And they started the season out great. Um, had a couple setbacks. But now uh, I really feel like their power running game is, is in a good spot. Now, Harding County, they love to throw the ball. They love to play the power game too. But they love to throw the ball. Zach Anders is one of the best receivers in the state. And Camden Hett loves to just gun it downfield 50 yards in the air it's just fun to watch i watch their videos and they love the randy boss downfield play. oh yeah yeah and, and it's fun to fun to see them connect a few times but uh they also have a pounding running back in sam adams who has gotten over 20 touchdowns this year rushing yeah pretty much in line with the with the way they ran that team the last time they were in the dakota dome uh yeah they run that they run that open spread and they will they are not afraid to throw the ball downfield yep and, um, yeah, we'll get to that one in our picks as well. I think a lot of people are split down the middle on this one. Harriet yeah. Selby down, played on the road 
This will be their third game in a row on the road. It's going to be a tough road trip. Uh, and Harding County has played really well since their one loss this year early in the season. They've got a unique home field advantage, but not quite as dominating a team as they've had in the past. So much good stuff. I think it's time <laughs> to make our picks now. We've talked all we can about these games. What do you think, Bruce? Let's do it. we got 14 of them up. Time to pick them. All right, it's time to make our picks, Bruce. And uh, we've got a couple of different guest pickers today. One is uh, Bobby George from Buffalo, South Dakota. She was not able to join us on the podcast, so I invited Bennett Dean, another one of the... Those were only two of the three people who beat me last week in the wow. picks. He got nine out of ten, right? Um, so we're going to welcome in Bennett Dean. Bennett, tell us where you're from and what you do. So I am from Pierce, South Dakota. I'm 16 years old, and I'm a junior at TF Rakes High School. And how long have you been a high school football fan? Uh, probably since I was a little kid. I mean, my dad used to always take me to the games. My family and I would go, and I've always just been high school football fan. I mean, I love football. I love the sport. So, and Is it your brother, Brad, that uh, played on that championship team a couple of years back? Uh, he played his senior year was the 2016 season, so okay. he missed out on the championship just before, year by one year. But just before the championship year, that's right. I should have yeah. known. He was a big contributor on that on that team. And your uh, your dad does a great job giving us updates each week on Twitter. Um, tell him tell him thanks for that. I will. Uh, I know he really loves calling the games with John Winkler from KCCR, so he he loves doing it. So. Yeah, he's uh, been doing it just a couple years, and I've heard him a couple times. He does a great job on that. So tell him, tell him thanks, and uh, thank you for being on the podcast today. Are you ready to make your picks? Yeah, I am, and thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity. Oh yeah, this will be great. This will be great. <laughs> Share it with all your friends and rub it in their nose. I'm sure it'll <laughs> sure it'll be great. Let's start with Triple A, Bruce. Get us started with the first game. First game, O'Gorman at Roosevelt. All right, Bruce, you make the first pick. If I'm going to make the first pick, I don't think O'Gorman really impressed me too much. Roosevelt did a lot more to do there, so I'm going to take Roosevelt on this one. You know what? Uh, if I was going to pick an upset in AAA, I would pick O'Gorman here because even though Roosevelt's won seven in a row, they haven't beaten more than one team with a winning record, but I just can't do it. I, I think this is Roosevelt's year. I started the year out thinking they're one of the two best teams, and I'm going to continue with that. What do you think, Bennett? Uh, I also agree. I think Roosevelt is the team to beat in AAA this year. Um, just Feldkamp and Danbring and Paulson, that connection on offense, and then the the Kooslers, uh with the line being the linebackers on defense. I just don't think you can beat that team this year. Bennett's got it researched. Bring the analysis, man. Okay. We love it. And by the way, Bobby George from Buffalo, she was originally our uh, contest winner to make her picks. She did it via email, and she's also taking... Roosevelt. Let's move on to the next game, Bruce. Washington at Brandon Valley. Well, I think at Washington, they did everything they could to beat Lincoln last week. Don't know how much is left in their tank. I got to take Brandon Valley at home on this one. Yeah, I'm going to pull the same card here. Brandon Valley started out the year as my top team, and I think they're finally looping back around to being one of those top teams. Bennett? Uh, I also agree. I think Brandon Valley takes this game, I think, pretty easily. I mean, uh, Tate Johnson's been one of the best running backs in the state of South Dakota this year. Um, Skolton's having another pretty good year as their quarterback. And then I also think uh, Jackson Hilton and Joe Colbeck are also playing pretty well this year. So I think those four will 
carry Brandon to championship and face off with Roosevelt. And three of those four guys you mentioned are juniors, so it's looking good for this Brandon Valley team. Let's move on to 11 AA. This is uh, this is Bennett's territory. I AA. think it is. Let's yeah. Start with Bruce though. What do well, you we're going to start with Mitchell at Pier, and Mitchell think. They've been up and down all season. I don't see any scenario where they beat Pierre in this one. Um, there's no scenario <laughs> that Mitchell wins this game. I will say that their running back, did, who didn't play last time in this matchup, is back. Parker Phillips. He had a good week last mm-hmm. week, but uh, it's just going to take it's going to take a miracle to beat to beat the Govs. And let's go to our Govs insider right now. What do you think, Ben? I mean, I I do agree. I don't see any way Mitchell stands a chance with Pier. I mean, that might be my bias coming out, but I also live in Pier, so I don't think there's any way Mitchell wins. I mean, just Garrett Stout's been unbelievable this year. I've went to mostly every game, and he's just impressed me on all. He's impressed me in every single game. But then it's not only Stout, it's guys like Gunnar Gehring and McGuire Rasky and Reagan Bolwig and Zach Lettler. They're just the connection they have on offense with Stout and along with our offensive line and defensive line, we just dominate teams in the trenches and that's what helps us win games. That's what I noticed in the game I watched Mitchell play Pierre last time is just how much bigger and faster and better this line is. So good point. Good point, Ben. And it also helps that we do have a guy that's going to play Division One football in Gray's Able. So I yeah. mean, that does help a lot too. That doesn't hurt at all. Uh, Bobby George also taking... Here, so we're not uh, we're not going too far off the rails here. Let's go to the other eleven double A gamers. Let's ratchet up the difficulty just a little bit here. Here on at Brookings. All right, Bruce, what do you think? I think Huron played a really good game against Yankton. Their their defense has definitely done well. Their offense is actually is is vastly improved since the start of the season. Brookings defense is stellar. And I think Brookings will take this one on their home turf. Yeah, the last time these two played, it was 40 nothing. But, of course, that was the first game of the year. A lot different this time around. I think Huron's, can't really take that into account. Yep. I'll tell you what, Huron's going to give them a game, and I think it's going to be back and forth. But I, I agree. I think defense wins out on this one. Give me the Bobcats. What do you got, Bennett? I, I agree. I think Brookings takes this one. I mean, Freiberger and Bush for Huron, two of their, their two best receivers. They've been solid all year, but like, a, like you guys said, I think Brookings' defense will win this game for them. All right, so we'll, have a little, we'll have a little Brookings Pier championship game. Yeah, how about that? Brookings playing on their home turf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll have a wait, an away game on that one. Um, and Bobby George also agrees with us going with Brookings. Move on to 11A, Bruce. 11A, West Central Atlantic. And I think West Central pulled off a huge upset knocking off the Dell Rapids last week. Lennox... I don't know if you can really call that an upset over over Madison. They were the home team. They're the home team. They're the home team here. And again, I kind of like with Washington. I don't know what West Central's got left in their tank. I think they have an improving team. You're going to see a good game. I still think Lennox wins. West Central has a lot left in their tank, Bruce. They moved their freshman defensive star to playing some quarterback, and he scored two touchdowns last week. And then they also have Cooper Myers, who has been unbelievable this year. All that going into it, I still think this Lennox team is just full of magic mm-hmm. and they've got a ton of athletes and people don't really realize how good this Lennox team is. They'll they'll get the win here. What do you think, Bennett? Uh, I agree with Bruce. Um, West Central pulled off that huge upset last week. I don't know how much they'll have left in the tank like like Bruce said. And the fact that they're 3-6 and six on the year, I just think Lennox takes this one. Alright, and Lennox is also the pick for Bobby. Man, we're agreeing all the way down right now. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> that's what happens when you get four experts in a room. <laughs> Keep it up, man. Let's go 
Other game in 11A. Other game in 11A. Canton at T. Canton has a really, really, really good team, and they've got Caden Verley, the single, probably the single best player in this game. Um, when you say this game, you mean the T. On that Canton. field in T, yes. Okay. Yeah. Making sure we're on the same page. <laughs> Although, you, you could make an argument the other way, too. You could make the argument the other way because you know, you have three or four really good athletes there in that, on that T squad. And I think Canton's really kind of figured out who they are. I'm taking the upset. We're going to go with Canton on this one. Oh, well, you know what? I, I thought I was going to have this upset in my back pocket because I think Canton has improved more since game one than T has. Both yes. teams have improved. But they played back in August, and it came down to a muffed punt. Yes. And uh, Canton was the better team on that night, if you ask me. And I think they've improved more. I'm taking the Seahawks. What do you got, Bennett? Um, T has been very good all year. Canton has been hot, though, in recent weeks. And like you guys said, I mean, Hurley's kind of their do-it-all guy for Canton, but when I watched T play Pier, and I think it was week four when they came to Pier, they they looked like a quality football team. I yeah. think they were they were one of the best teams that Pier played all year, and I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna go with T. Yeah, they scored more points than anybody off of yep. Pier, I believe. That's saying something considering so, they're an eleven yeah. A team. Yeah, that's a <laughs> good point. Good point. And uh, also, our other guest picker, Bobby George, also taking T. So, guest pickers going against us, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to 11B. 11B. We have Webster at Winter, a pair of undefeated teams. The game is in Winter. Winter has a, usually a pretty good time defending their home field. I don't think it happens here. We- that Webster team has come through a lot. They get, came through a very difficult game last week. I think they go into Winter and they come out with a victory, although it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game. I, you know what? Winter's been playing so well, and they intentionally – give the ball to three or four different ball carriers. This mm-hmm. year is the exact same. And uh, Sam Kruger is back to complete that backfield. They've got three guys last week who ran over 120 yards. I just I, th- I think they're too stocked. This Webster team is really good. People don't understand. This This team's mm-hmm. good. Uh, Carter Fawcett, one of the best defenders in the state. But winner at home, got to take the Warriors. Bennett? I, I agree. I think winner just has that football tradition down in that town. And like my dad said, they don't rebuild, they reload. So I'm going to stick with the Warriors on this one. Good pick. And uh, that, that's also what our friend Bobby George is taking. So agreeing on winner, Bruce. I'm out on the island. Out, <laughs> out on the island. Give us the next pick. McCook Central Montrose at Bridgewater Emory Ethan. Now that McCook Central Montrose team is good. They've played really well. They've done it so very quietly. Bridgewater Emory Ethan is just so good. And even though they've come through a few... A few games where it's maybe a little bit, t- a little bit tougher. I mean, when they had the little bit t- points have been a little bit tougher to come by. I think they still have the team and the machine ready on their home field to come through in this one to, to, to get to Brookings. Every week, I think Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan is going to get tested. They not only pass, they pass with flying colors, and they've been doing it better and stronger these last few weeks. So I agree. I think Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan gets the win. Mister Dean, uh, like you guys said, I think Bridgewater, Emory, Ethan takes this one I think pretty easily I mean Brady Hawkins has been one of the best players in the state of South Dakota this year and he's been their do-it-all guy kind of like Verley from Canton so I'm gonna stick with the Seahawks that's right very very good athlete there in Brady Hawkins and uh Bobby George also taking Bridgewater Emory Ethan let's move on to the ninth game of of this uh round Bruce nine double a duel at Bonhomme Duel has what two, three different weapons there, yeah. both rushing and passing. A really good offensive line. Bonham has actually done really well as well, but they, they're kind of a two-headed monster. 
Uh, Bottom has had some trouble with these teams that do the power running game mm-hmm. and good defensive teams. So as much as I want to stay on the Pudwell train, I'm going to duel. Bruce, you <laughs> and the Pudwell train have been hitched at the caboose. Yeah, we, we, getting off the train. I'm getting off the train on the semifinals. Well, I've made too many mistakes picking against Byron Pudwell and and Bonhomme. I I can't pick against him here. I'm going to go with Bonhomme. They're getting healthy at the right time. They've had three or four players who haven't played uh, that are all back this week. I think I think they're going to be too tough for this dual team. Although I love dual. They, you're right. They've got two thousand yard rushers. Yeah. So let's see what Bennett thinks to break the time. Um, both teams are eight and one. Bonhomme has this really strong football tradition down there, but and it is a long trip for duels, so I'm going to go with Bonhomme on this one. All right, he agrees with me, and Bobby George agrees with you. She is taking duel, so got an array of Should opinions. Should be a great team game there. Let's move to Lemon McIntosh Viber, Bruce. What do you got there? Lemon McIntosh Viber Curly. Much as I want to, much as I want to believe in Cody Thompson in that in that passing game that he's developed all year. Fiber Curly is just too good. Uh, they have just been too good for too long for all season. And yeah, that team, I think Viber Curly is going to run wild over Lemon McIntosh here. Yeah, Viber Curly hasn't started really hot in the last couple of weeks, but they finished so strong, so mm-hmm. good in the second half. Um, they're just, they're they're the class of 9AA this year. What do you got, Bennett? Um, like I kind of said for the for the dual bottom game, it's a, it's a long trip for Lemon McIntosh to go. Uh, two, Viber Curly, and Chase Mason's just been playing very well this year, so I'm going to go Viber, Viber Curly on this one. God, he knows his stuff. I love it. And uh, Viber Curly is also the pick of Bobby George. So, Bruce, take us into 9A. 9A, Gregory at Britton Hecla. And this one, Gregory has has played some good games get to get here, to get to this point. I think when you talk about Britton Hecla, they're playing with an awful lot of emotion right now. They're playing a very good undefeated schedule. I don't see I don't see a whole lot of scenarios where Britton Hackwell loses this one. This will be the toughest game that Gregory has on their schedule this year, and that's saying a lot because they've had a really tough schedule. But I'll tell you what, this Britton Hackler team is the real deal up front. People don't realize how good Wyatt Bray and Nick Nelson and those guys have done this year. I'm, I'm taking the Braves. Bennett? Um, like you guys said, Gregory is a very good team. They have that... Like, like many other schools in the says, they're a football powerhouse, but I think Britton Heckler's kind of rallied around the Trevor Zolke injury, and so I'm going to go with Britton Heckler on this one. And that is also the pick for Bobby George, so Britton Heckler, a popular pick. Let's move into, this is almost pure country. We're heading to one night now. Yep, Kansas at Sully Buttes. And Sully Buttes, Nick Whitler and company, I mean, they have just been all-world all season. You got this Canastota Freeman team with an incredibly tough defense and incredibly an incredibly good line. Uh, they went and knocked off that Bonham team off their off their undefeated port, uh, perch earlier this season, and I think they do the same to Sully Buttes here. Yeah, Sully Buttes last week didn't have their best game against no. Warner, but I'll tell you what, Warner Warner keep them a fight. <laughs> Warner is was legit, and they were fully healthy for the first time this year. They gave them all they could handle. This Sully Buttes team is now tested and ready to move on. I think they take out the Hawks in this one. Ooh. Bennett, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Sully Buttes in this one. I think Nick Whitler has been playing unbelievably well this year. The, his dual threat is just yeah. unmatched nine man, I think. And then also Jet Lamb. I mean, good, big size for, especially nine man. He's oh, got yeah. the size. Mm-hmm. I, I think Sully Buttes takes this one pretty easily. Yeah. And Bobby George agrees. She's got Sully Buttes as well. Let's Put move on, on to the 9B. Again. Two games in 9B, Bruce. <laughs> Two games in 9B. Wolsey Wessington at Coleman Egan. 
Coleman Egan, I don't think has played more than about a half all season. I don't, I don't think that really changes. I mean, no, talking no. about this one is the championship. Yeah, well, you, you know, I don't know about that either. But I think, I think Wolsey Wilson definitely takes him into the second half and possibly all four quarters. But I still think Coleman Egan wins this one fairly handily. Yeah, I think this Coleman Egan team, uh, with so many players back from last year, have really bought into the system. And uh, although Wolsey Wessington has a lot of talent, they're just too young this year. I'm taking the Hawks. Bennett? I think Coleman Egan takes this one. They've just been rolling all year. And they, they've been, they have a good, they've had a pretty good football team in the last couple of years, so I'm going Coleman Egan. All right, last pick of the semis. Bruce, get us going. Harriet Selby at Harding County. And Har- Harriet Selby, I mean, they played a good game last week. Harding County. Has got a like like a, like our guest picker has said several times. They've got a football tradition up there in Buffalo, yes, sir, uh, and we've heard a few things about their football field too. But we'll we'll leave that we'll leave that alone for right we'll now. Have highlights, but, so we'll, we'll be able to see how <laughs> how much cement like that field really is. But all the same, I still have to take out. I still have to take Harding County here, uh, being the home team, being probably just the more talented team. He, among these two, Harry and Selby's had a really good season, and I yeah. think they're, they're, there's good things to come for them. There's something about being the road warriors here. They've won two road games in a row in the playoffs, and now they head all the way out to Buffalo, South Dakota, and they get it done. Three in a row for the road team. I'm taking the Wolverines in this one. By the way, I wouldn't be surprised by Harry and Selby win, but I just have to take Harding County here. But. All right, let's see what Bennett thinks. I, I agree with you guys. I think Harding County takes this one. I think just because Harriet Selby's, like you guys said, it's a long trip for them, and Harding County's just a tough place to play in general, so I'm going to go Harding County on this one. And Bobby George is from Buffalo, and, of course, you can guess what she's going to take. <laughs> I just got to give a shout-out to Bobby while we're talking. Um, uh, she was the one that told me that this summer Jackson uh, Klempel passed away, one of their players on their team, and they've kind of been playing for him all year. She thinks that uh, they're rallying around him a little bit, and then she has a son on the team as well. So she's a big-time Harding County fan, and she's taking Harding County as well. So take the purple and gold. <laughs> yeah, Harding. Hey, Bennett, great job, and I appreciate you being on the podcast this week. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was a great opportunity, like I said before. All right, we'll talk to you later. And there you have it. Thanks for listening to this Midco SN podcast. To listen to any of our past episodes, visit midcosn.com slash podcast.